Okay. Everybody, you're listening to the High Session Hawaii podcast, where we talk about everything local and beyond. I am your host, John Yamasato, and joining me today is, of course, Mr. Kyle Shimabukuro. How's it? Devin Nakoba. How day? And from California, LA to be exact, Mr. Paul Ogata. Paul, thanks for, uh, Hi there. <laughs> for hanging out with us. Uh, before we begin, let me remind all of our listeners of the ways they can stay in touch with the show. There is Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at High Sessions. Then, of course, you can hear this podcast on SoundCloud, YouTube, Apple Podcasts. And, of course, if you have any questions or comments, you can email us at highsessions at yahoo.com. Finally, if you would like to help the show and get more music on the channel, please go to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and donate. There you will get more involved with the show, help to pick out the artists that come on, and you get background behind-the-scenes stuff, especially with Paul. He's going to tell us a couple of uh, stories that are too hot for uh, for live YouTube streaming. So anyway, uh, and we had four people become patrons in the last week. So every oh, week it's bigger more and more. Nice. Um, we got Edric from California and then David, Nick, and Henry. I, I don't know where they are, but they're out there and they're, they're patrons. So some of them put where they're from and some of them don't. So. Okay. Uh, four, cool. four dudes. Nice yeah. to have you here, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot. Hey, man, I can almost get through this thing without having to read it all now. The yeah, intro. you're actually so, getting better. Yeah. It's just funny because you also mentioned the music part. Like, please join Patreon and give us money so that we, we do don't music. talk to you like we're doing now and we actually <laughs> play music. <laughs> no, but the podcast, the podcast, is all, it's, it's going now. So Paul yeah. is a is a comedian and uh, man, I remember seeing you back in Hawaii in like 1996. So I remember catching you guys at your first Perry and Price. It was I was doing a spot. Oh, that's right. Uh, that's right. <laughs> on that Saturday morning at the Hanohana Room upstairs at the Sheraton, and you guys were there, pure heart. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, that was your big your first big thing, and I was uh, I was like, wow, these guys are gonna. Uh, last forever, and uh, <laughs> I meant that the music was good. You guys are talented. You guys are talented, is what I'm saying, and, and, and remain talented, each and every one of you. So uh, it's uh, it was a pleasure to see you guys grow. Thanks, man. And uh, um, I remember going. Okay, you probably do not remember this, but I remember this very clearly. I went to see you at I think it was like Aqua Hotel or something like that. You had a comedy show, and um, I went with some friends. And then, uh, and you were doing a bit, a bit about us, and uh, it was about uh, Pure Heart being a Christian band. Do you remember that? Wow, well, no, I don't. A lot of stuff I say. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it was it's great. In the ether, you know, you, you harvest it and you throw it out there, and then you move on to the next time. Because John Yamasato is not going to be at every one of my shows. If you were, <laughs> then that, that would be a staple bit. But it's so funny because you, you're like, I, you had something tie. You're tying us into Christian rock. And then I was like, uh, we're, not, we're not a Christian band. And you're like, oh. All right. And you just went on to your other bit. Like, you just started to cry. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. But, um, man, you know, I, I've been following you this whole time. I mean, I still tune into the specials and uh, try to keep up on YouTube. But, by the way, you know, there's not a ton of stuff on YouTube. But is YouTube a double-edged sword with you guys? Because, obviously, you want some exposure out there of what you do. But, you know, you put your stuff up on YouTube, you know, then it becomes something that people, when they go to see your shows, they're expecting those jokes or. 
It's a weird uh, situation with comedy. With music, let's say, uh, and I'm in no way comparing myself to the Rolling Stones, but you go to see the Stones in concert and you want to hear Brown Sugar. You want to hear uh, Start Me Up. You want to hear I Can't Get No Satisfaction. Anytime you go to a concert and then the band says, and here's one off our new album, everyone in the crowd is like, oh, come on. <laughs> but, but with comedy, it's a, there's the element of surprise. And to a certain extent, you get uh, you want to hear your favorite bits too from your favorite comedians. Uh, you know, if you went to see Rap Replinger when he was still alive and he didn't do Fake Yanagi, you were like, "Oh, I was waiting to hear Fake Yanagi." Yeah, 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 that's true. So it's it's kind of weird. You got you got this. Some people, it I guess it, it's all up to the individual consumer. Some people want to hear new stuff. Some people love the classics. You, you can't please everybody. It was funny because I was watching uh, some stuff last night. You, you have some bits about hotels and as someone who travels a lot i it really hit home for me you know the keys and just the the people that you meet in the lobby at two o'clock in the morning and, and it's just uh you, you you have to be someone that travels a lot to relate but but it really was like that was deep that was deep i, I liked it well we can only talk about our experiences right i i can't talk about synthesizing uh opioids in a laboratory because that's not what I do but I do travel I used to in an in a previous life I used to travel mm -hmm. quite a bit and uh, man wow what are we gonna do now John that we can't travel we can't I don't do know man I, I like because I I listen to other podcasts and the other comedians and and you guys are like seriously I mean the the music guys are trying to do uh online stuff you know they're trying to do live streaming and whatnot but that's a tough putt with comedy man you, you really need that audience feedback and so a lot of you guys are just just kind of waiting for the storm to blow over right yeah i've done some zoom shows and it's it's not the same I, I, maybe that's going to be the new normal and i gotta just get used to it but mm. it's not the same it's a i i view it i view live comedy as sort of a collaboration it's me and the audience and we, together we create something and if it's 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 hard to uh repeat that magic if it's in a virtual format it's, it's very different with music i you know i've i've sat down and we watch me and my wife have watched musicians do live streams and when we, we enjoy it yeah. i don't feel it's any different as a as a an audience member at a music an online music show you can still appreciate what's going on and hear it and it is in fact it might even be better because if you're at a at a, at a club or a, a live music venue you didn't uh, you might get distracted. You might hear uh, people are talking next to you, and, and you, you miss out on some what's happening with the musician. But uh, I, I feel like you can get more. You can you can actually hear more of the lyrics too. Yeah, yeah. So so let me ask you this: on a normal, uh, if everything were normal, no COVID, how how many dates are you doing typically, like a month, or how many how many shows? Well, it varies. Uh, I'm gone probably maybe two thirds of the year. Okay. Yeah. See, that's a lot. That is a lot. Yeah. And so right now your wife is just like, I've seen this guy's face more than I've ever seen his face in my life. <laughs> yeah. We've, uh, we reconnected, I guess. <laughs> it, it used to be, I was gone so much that every time I came home from a trip, I, you get the key and you, you hope it works in the lock. <laughs> And it does, so you're happy. But now I'm home, and uh, and hopefully this will go back to uh, a shade of what it used to be, and uh, 
or find a middle ground of being able to work again. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. What does a what does a Zoom comedy show look like? Is it okay, just it's, like this where there's like five people to join in and they're like, make me it's laugh? It's very much like this. Uh, and sometimes whoever's running the room doesn't mute people's microphones. And oh, so you hear Jesus. people yelling off, you know, off screen and you're trying to do your jokes and people are just having a conversation. They're watching the TV. You can hear children crying, dogs barking. It's very uh, cacophonous. It's distracting. And uh, like I said, if that's what I, the new normal is going to be, I, you know, I look for me as your cheerful new clerk at the 7-Eleven. <laughs> well, like I've Ivanka been... said, look for something new. That's going to be my something new. I saw that. Yeah, they said, "Hey, if you if you can't work, uh, there's other opportunities." Uh, they try to frame it nicely, but yeah, it's basically like get another career. Yeah, yeah. You know, what have you guys been? I don't know. A lot of comedians have been back at the podcast nonstop. Do you have a podcast for your for your own that you do? Having uh, come from morning radio in Hawaii, I you know, eight years of doing morning radio. Uh, either on Crater for a couple of years or on 102.7 The Bomb, uh, I kind of had my fill of doing podcasts as basically you have a radio show. Right, and, uh, right, yeah. I'd done that for so long uh, that it was, you know, and maybe that's something I should explore again. But uh, currently I don't. Uh, but you're right. Maybe it's something I could look, uh, doing my new, uh, something new, Ivanka, doing that. <laughs> well, and... Well, let's touch on that because um, r running through your Twitter, there's really nothing that's out of bounds for you. And uh, I no. wanted to, oh, yeah, I wanted to ask you, like, with this new like cancel culture and and all that's going on with all these other comedians and whatnot. Do you, because even like for me, you know, I I do this uh, as a kind of a hobby, but I mean, you know, like the the podcasting is is more of a fun thing. So, but I worry about like what I say on this because. Uh, if it ever comes back to my job, like the, you know, I, I was talking smack about someone and it's in the back of my mind, if I could put it like that, but do you have that same feeling right now? Or, I mean, it's, it's kind of a weird, uh, tight rope. You got to walk as a comedian uh, or, or not. It's that's the, it's the tight rope I choose to walk because if people are coming to my shows, I can say whatever I want. But a lot of times right. I'm doing shows, let's say, uh, if I'm performing on a cruise ship, people aren't there to see me. They're there for the cruise. They're there to see comedy. So I can't really uh, take, the, take the leash off and do what I want. So I'm constrained uh, in, in that situation. But like, if you come to see me at, at the Aqua Hotel, then you're, you're coming to see Paulo Gata. And I'm going to say what I'm going to say. And, yeah, and I do yeah, it. Yeah. And I, uh, I apologize. But on Twitter... Uh, there's still a sense of that because because of the whole cancel culture I, and I've had it happen where it, not to complete fruition, but I've had people say, uh, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to make sure you don't work in this venue again or I'm going to make sure that you don't uh, you're not able to, to do your jokes at, in some other venue. But it's um, it's sad that, that wow. it's come to that. Yeah, wow. it is really sad. Do you tell them like, um, hey, COVID already took care of that. So, screw you. <laughs> yeah, it's like COVID has been the great the muzzle on uh, on everything, on music, on on comedy. 
on uh, on Broadway. You can't, you know, you can't right. do it. But I like how it's uh, entertainment is coming back in little formats. You know, UFC has an island. NBA is going to be in a bubble. Uh, <laughs> maybe. I don't know what Broadway, maybe Broadway can do door-to-door shows. You know, they knock on your, your door and like, uh, uh, you open it up and it's Hamilton and they're there to sing to well, you well, on your porch. You mentioned that, but Hamilton was released on Disney Plus, right? I mean, that's normally, I don't know if they would have done that if it wasn't for this. Uh, they would have done it. It had to have been in the works beforehand. They had, uh, to, have been, so, they had yeah. to have shot it. Yeah, they, they shot it in 2016 with the expectation that they would break it out five, six years later. So this is actually one year earlier than they planned to do it. Oh, Disney I see, bought, I see, I see. Disney I see. bought the rights and they were gonna they were gonna put it out anyway, but they were gonna put it in movie theaters and then bring it to the to Disney Plus. But then I they see. went, Oh well, so much for that idea. So Devin is so, a is a theater guy, so he knows all that inside info. Yeah, well, I don't know about inside info, but um, so Paul, tell us about um, your start in, in comedy. I mean, some people know, but some people don't. They just see you get up there and do your thing. So, like, where's the where does the impetus come from to start doing comedy? Well, I'd always uh, enjoyed comedy when I was a kid. I had uh, all of Rap Replinger's albums. I had all of Andy Bumatai's albums, and a, a lot like I did later on when Eddie Murphy's raw uh comedian came out or Ed, eddie murphy's delirious came out we always uh we we memorized everything and we were able to repeat it verbatim that's what i was able to do with the andy stuff and rap stuff it was uh i grew up on that i loved it and uh, then i finally got the chance to do it uh, on stage in college there was a some sort of comedy competition at university of hawaii and i snuck away from the dorms oh. i didn't tell anybody what i was going to do and then I did it, and it was uh, it was what a feeling, man! It's uh, uh, like plugging the, the the Matrix thing into the back of your head, and you're like, "Wow, I know kung fu!" It's uh, <laughs> it was quite a interesting uh, challenge to to get up there and make people laugh just with your with your words and your thoughts. Um, and from then, I was hooked. Do you still remember what you talked about in that first set? No. Obviously, you didn't, obviously you didn't bomb, but I no, mean, everybody has the story about bombing and just like, oh my God, what am I doing up here? It was okay. I mean, there was, I don't know how many contestants, 15, 16, I can't remember, a lot of people. And I tied for third, oh. which having never done it before in public or, or in private even, I, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, and then the next time I did it, oh yeah, just ooh, uh, big... <laughs> <laughs> it, it a big bag of dicks on that one. Can I say that on this? You sure you're can. Totally, yes. Yes. Uh, I know, Paul, you're from Pro City High School, and you um, probably graduated, I think, a year before me, right? Yes. But I don't recall you doing any performances in school assemblies or any kind of thing like that. Were you? When did you, um, you know, start honing your craft? Was it after you graduated high school, or you just kind of did it, in, you know, at home and... <laughs> You know, like, when when did you want to bust it out? Because I well, I was always I was always uh, silly and full of nonsense, but it, I'd never done it. I'd never done comedy. I'd never performed comedy until I snuck away that night at at, the, at UH and did the uh, comedy competition. But through high school, I'd never done it. And I, we had that opportunity. There was a brown bags to start yeah. them back yeah. then. Right, 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 right. I don't know if they still have that, but that was certainly an opportunity for kids to to do whatever music or i don't very few people did comedy in brown i was gonna say that's a 
I would feel like that would be a real tough for a 15-year-old, 16-year-old kid to go up in front of his peers and tell jokes. You know, I, that, that, yeah. Cause uh, I, I get scared playing in front of high school kids at my age. You know, I don't want to deal with them now. I, I remember being in high school and being terrified of my peers, you know, back then. Being judged. Yeah, yeah. Dude, harsh, man. Because were you it's, even uh, a class clown in high school? Yeah, I was, uh, you know, in the yearbook, you, they pick uh, most comical or whatever it is. Uh, uh, I don't know. That's what I was. I was, uh, I won. Yay. Um, <laughs> that's what I was. But there was, I, I don't know. I didn't think I was. Uh, especially uh, funny in, in high school. I don't know how that happened. I guess that's that just shows you class of 86 was really unhumorous that I was able to be chosen <laughs> as most humorous, comical. Well, as, by the way, as fellow class of 86, was it just my class or was your class too? We sucked at like class spirit, any of that kind of stuff. Uh, no, there were people who were really into it or, or oh, really? all about it. And it, that, that was not me. There, dude. We didn't we didn't win one spirit competition from like ninth grade up to senior year. We just we just oh. got spirit. by eighty seven usually actually. You know what though? You're right. There was spirit competitions, and every year some class would win. Usually the seniors of that class, and the, yeah. but in my class, I don't think we ever won. I, <laughs> no, I, I think, think it was our class. It was our class, class dude. There was yeah. something about our class. They just we had no like, class spirit at all. We're like, man, <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah wow you thanks for bringing up a bad memory Kevin. sorry uh, yeah I, I remember i dude i remember being a being a junior or senior we got spanked by the freshman i mean just, just everybody but 87 was always the thorn in our side because they were always way more they were way more spirited they did all, like, even even now when there's all the reunion stuff i noticed class of 87 is like yeah and they're doing banners and they got facebook stuff and class of 86 were like so you guys want to get together? <laughs> and everybody goes, nah, sorry. <laughs> we just move on with life. And I'm like, man. Well, thanks for bringing up another metric of failure in my life. <laughs> well, at least, you know, at least you know it's shared. It's shared amongst our whole class. So it was not just okay. us. It was the whole It's class. everybody. Yeah, it's everybody. But uh, I also wanted to know, you know, your comedy, comedy I think evolves for everyone, right? I mean, not necessarily what you think is funny, but how you how you relate to the audience. So uh, from the time you started to the time now, I mean, do you find you're more uh, storytelling? Do you do, because we had you for our Kumu lunch show and it was funny because you, well, funny, but you, you started out kind of, you know, feeling the crowd out and going, mm, okay, what can I do? And then all of a sudden you just launched and you're like, I don't care. <laughs> These are the jokes. You're going to find them funny. And you just dragged everybody with you and made them come with you. And it was, it was actually pretty fantastic to watch. But you don't, you know, I, I didn't see you doing necessarily, you know, you're not set up, set up, set up punchline or any of that kind of stuff. Some of your stuff is observ um, observational. Some of the stuff is local. And you you made sure you uh, you tailored it to the crowd that you had, which I thought was fascinating. Yeah, I, Brian, I mentioned this before, but... Uh, some comedians will just go and recite their act from A to Z from the beginning to the end of verbatim. And I admire that because that's, that takes discipline and I cannot do that because I'm not wired like that. I, I, you know, I've been hit in the head a lot. I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but I like, like I said, uh, if you come to a show, it's our show. It's you and me. We're, we're, we're doing this together. There's things I know I want to say, but there's things 
that will come up instead and preempt that. It, and like, uh, it'll be the old KGMB playing classical gas. Please stand by. We have technical difficulties. Uh, and then uh, we have a different show. So it's that, that Kumu lunch show. It's uh, you have to find out well, who exactly is here and what, mm. what can I say exactly? Mm. Because somebody's going to get a memo because they brought the office and the comedian is doing <laughs> impolite yeah. material. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Is there, a, would have surprised me, is there a certain bit or joke that you were hesitant to try until today just going, wow, man, that was a risky joke to tell or a bit to tell, but it, it went over really well. Yes. Uh, and it's, Sometimes there are trigger words that are going to send people off the deep into the deep end and get, and they're going to get angry and try and cancel you. And so sometimes you just got to roll the dice and see, uh, see what you, if what you think is funny is going to fly because, uh, I'm never really, uh, regretful about any jokes that I do tell, but I, I regret the jokes that I don't tell. Mm. And if I just, if I lock that away, then it, it that never has a chance to, to, to breathe and, and exist and live. And so I've denied that I've, uh, I've killed that idea. And wow, that's not the business we're in as comedians. We're in the business of ideas and we want to put it out there. Would you like to release it now so you can um, get it out of the system? <laughs> no, no, I've, I've sensed that. The, <laughs> The joke that I'm talking about that you asked about, yeah, I, uh, I had different incarnations of it and there was one section of it that I thought uh, was so outrageous that I, I uh, of a pairing of words that why not, why not put it out there? It, uh, it's, it, it gets a better response than the, than the substitute words that I, I put out there that brought it down a notch. So mm. yeah, occasionally you just got to throw it out there. You're not going to, always get the approval you look for, but you gotta, you gotta try it. Do you bounce ideas off your wife at all? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> she's, she's hip to what I, when I'm trying, uh, but, uh, but she just goes, eh, it's not quite there yet. Give me, we gotta, but I don't like it when I know that someone is doing that to me, when somebody's trying a bit, when they're uh, throwing it out in conversation. Mm. And I don't like that because uh, I feel like, don't you know, <laughs> you're not going to get a good response from me in this situation because we're comedians. And if another comedian is trying that to me, so I don't know. I, I, I'm reticent about that, about trying it on my wife, but, Occasionally, I'll say something not trying to be funny, and if she laughs, and I'm like, "Oh, there's, uh, there's gold there's in there." Something there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you see, I don't think the rest of us, our wives, think we're funny at all. That's why, even if we do, <laughs> right? <laughs> John, yeah, yeah. it just gives us the look. They're like, <laughs> uh, I can tell you, in our house. I can tell you that my wife doesn't think any of us are funny. No, so, so it goes for you guys too. <laughs> really? Yeah, she doesn't think you're funny. But, <laughs> wow. Wow, yeah. that hurts, man. Oh, man. Wow. But I think it's more because you're associated with me than anything. Oh. So whatever oh, I touch unfunny. becomes unfunny. Yeah, right? I can yeah. see that. Yeah. <laughs> trying to get his wife on the pod uh, just 
so we can see the carnage that will ensue. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Have you guys ever seen Paul Paul's um, promo stuff? No. Dude, Paul, who does your who does your um, photoshopping? And like, Paul has the greatest like posters and and um, just promo material. Like, he puts his face on all kinds of different things, and it, it's it's really well done. And I'm just kind of curious as to where that comes from. Is that you? Yeah, most of the stuff you see. Wow. Uh, if I'm doing a show poster, it's it's you. You can tell the ones that are <laughs> that are me and the ones that are done by uh, promoters. Oh, really? I, I don't know. I, I think all of them look just just great. And uh, well, I was reading your bio last night, and it it says that um, <laughs> you you wrote wrote a video game at the age of thirteen. So you must be pretty yeah. good around the computer. Well, I well I was back in the Stone Tools <laughs> days of Basic, and, but to my credit, I was able to manipulate sprites and create a video game, you, you know, using Basic, which is yeah, yeah I didn't even impressive. have a disk drive. I had to my storage unit was a tape recorder that you uh, plugged the computer into the tape recorder and hit record and play, and then it would record wow. and it would be a slow transfer of data, like it sounded like a fax machine. Uh, that's what it was. So that's my that was my backup system was a tape recorder. That's how old I am. I was thinking. Well, when I saw that, I was like age thirteen. I, I was thinking. I was trying to think about when I even came across a computer. It was probably about the same age as when you were. And so I'm thinking, okay, Paul's probably ten years older than me. So where where was this computer coming from? You know, but no, uh, yeah, that's very well. When I was a kid, uh, I was. Uh, my uncle bought the first Macintosh, and uh, I was fascinated by that. That was a, ah. uh, it was quite a game changer for computers. It was a, it was a visual uh, operating system. You know, mm -hmm. I, what an amazing thing that was. I was always fascinated by computers, and then I took a class at the Leeward Community College as a kid, uh, computer language programming class. It, it was, uh, it was. Yeah, I mean that I would have won man, if I had just lived in a different era and <laughs> and I didn't have to work with stone tools and uh, flint and everything. Uh I just how uh, you would have been Steve Jobs. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Well, well no, he worked with even more primitive tools. He created the stone tools that I used. That's you know? true. That's that true. That is true. Yeah. But then, then I saw um, a commercial for this Texas Instruments computer system called the TI ninety nine four A, and this the spokesperson was Bill Cosby, and uh, <laughs> I thought, I, and he made it seem like this is going to be the computer of the future because he was he was trust trustable, you know, this guy uh, trustworthy. He was America's dad, and there he was telling you this is going to be the computer of the future. And so I, <laughs> that's the one I bought, and I. I learned to program on, and I, I coded that video game, uh, and then uh, uh, it was stupid. What a what a horrible system that was! It, it turned out to be, and so a lot like uh, <laughs> a lot like these other women, Bill Cosby screwed me too. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say, well, at least he kept his trustworthiness over all these years. But that, that, yeah. <laughs> that guy, wow, what a what a shocking turn of events I, I can't think of a farther fall from grace you know from beloved to just not 
not desired at all. Yeah, well, OJ, he OJ was Simpson American. was the first. Well, OJ Simpson, yeah, yeah. Bill Cosby. Uh, OJ Simpson was a different kind of fall because he was a sports icon. So it's not like people trusted him. Uh, uh, right, right, yeah, right. I get it. Right, yeah, right, Bill right. Cosby was a father figure. You're right. Yeah. People, uh, wow, yeah, they, they welcomed Bill Cosby into their homes, into their lives. OJ Simpson, it was just, so he was in the Naked Gun movies. No, you know, that's not like. Uh, <laughs> right, right, right. And running through the airport for Hertz. Yeah. Uh, although the one that really jaded me the most was uh, Tiger Woods. Because mm. uh, I always, I grew up, uh, you know, we're about the same age. And I always thought like, man, th that's the kind of guy that I need to model myself after, you know? <laughs> and then, uh, boy, that, that, that didn't work out either. <laughs> so now I okay, just... Okay, but really, what was his crime? He had, he had multiple well, women. Was that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess so. Consensual relationships. He shouldn't have yeah. been driving with the, you know, stuff in the system, but that's okay. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Yeah. There's that. That <laughs> yeah. wasn't what people. That's not what he got canceled for, though. No, that's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, and I, I don't, I don't harbor any heavy ill will against him. But that's so. When I say that, that was the one that jaded me. It really made me feel like, wow, are any celebrities, are are any of them like really genuine? You know, are all of them do? All of them have a skeleton in their closet of some. Uh, I, yeah, so, yeah. I'm I'm surprised that uh, I didn't get sued more in the radio. Devin, have you ever? How many lawsuits have you been party to? Uh, no lawsuits, but I've been busted a couple times. Yeah. Really? Like that? Yeah, like the one, the guy with the shotgun in the back of his head. Remember that was that? duct taped to his head. Yeah, it was duct taped to his head, and they had him. At, they had him on the. I was on air when all that went down. When the guy started wiggling and right, and then the cops shot the guy. <laughs> and I guess I went on air. I don't remember doing this. I went on air and I said, "Nope, it's over. The guy's dead." <laughs> and, and David Daniels walks in and he goes, "Hey, are you the news?" I'm like, "Oh no." He goes, "The hell are you doing talking about that?" He goes, <laughs> "You don't even know because there was no TV in the studio at the time. It was right, just right, stuff right. getting off the off the phones, right?" So I was like, "Oh, oops." <laughs> He was pissed. I felt really bad about that one. There was no internet. It was uh, it was the beauty of local radio. You yeah. are the link yeah. to. You were the uh, link. Yeah. And he's saying, wow. "Oh yeah, the police shot him. He's dead." I didn't say who was dead. I didn't. You know, just yeah. It was. It was. In, in hindsight, it was probably not the best way to go. But um, yeah, I I haven't been busted yet for saying something really bad. We got the lieutenant governor on with us on Fridays, and he keeps swearing, and I don't know why. Really? Oh, Josh, really? Yeah. He can't help himself. I don't know what's going on. He gets on air with us, and I have my – and, Paul, you know, like, we don't – I don't know about you guys. We, we don't have that button, that seven-second button. Okay. I, I, all I can do is bring down the pot. So I got my hand on the pot because he's already said bullshit and shit and stuff <laughs> like more than once. Every time we have him on, and I'm going, so I'm writing the, I'm writing the, the button, thinking, okay, he's gonna say it, he's gonna say it, he's gonna say it, and we get about three quarters of the way through the show, and I went, hey, all right, okay. So I take my hand like off. As soon as I take my hand off, he goes, yeah, you know, and I'm just a lieutenant governor, so who gives a shit? <laughs> <laughs> does he does he know he's going to be edited or does he think he's no he knows there's no edit he's been in the studio with us i don't know how many times he knows it's 
it's live. It it comes from his mouth. It goes to the mic, and it's out on the air. And every so time he. And they're like, oh, it's so great. It's, you know, he's so comfortable with you. I'm like, yeah, but can he be less comfortable? Because he's going to say, he's going to say motherfucker or something bad, like really bad. And we're going to get in trouble because I keep getting texts. As soon as he swears, I get texts from friends or Facebook messages. Did the lieutenant come and say shit? Did you say bullshit? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Obviously, we have to edit this whole part out for political. I mean, that part doesn't matter, but. No, nah, I don't think you want to say that he's swearing on your show. He is swearing on the show. He is swearing on there. I'm not making it up. He really is swearing. And we, I keep trying to catch him. And I, but so but I, I think part of that, part of uh, his, his uh, appeal, I guess people appeal is that, yeah, yeah, he's a very normal, you know, when he explains things, it's very layman's terms, right? So you can understand um, it. Uh, anyway, Paul, we have a new lieutenant governor here and he's a former doctor, right? Or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, Josh Green. Yeah, so he's, he's been the one. Dog, but he was also in the leg- he was also in the legislature and stuff. And he just he's a guy from New York, so he or that's what he keeps saying. So he has no filter. And yeah, yeah. That's why there was an issue uh, when all the stuff came down, and you know they started announcing things because the LG would go on the air and say all kinds of shit, and just and yeah. sort of make these leaps and say, oh, we should be doing this, we should be doing this. Yeah, kind of you know, like contradicting what was yeah he was was having a oh my god they were just they were losing it dealing with him so they kind of got in a room together and figured it out so the next time we saw him he was just yes well you know i'd like to say (laughs) but i can't say and a couple times he a couple times he he tried to write a note to my co-host uh esme about something that was happening that was gonna go down right Hmm. so he writes a little note like he's being secretive and he hands it over to her and as he's handing it, we have the video on the Facebook live feed. And they go, did the lieutenant governor, did the lieutenant governor just say we're going to start this? Blah, 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 blah. Because <laughs> you can see, they could read it off the paper. We're like, oh, shit. It was, yeah. Yeah. We, we no longer well, read notes. Needless to say, our, our leadership in Hawaii is pretty screwed right now. But I assume where you're at, too, is the same story, right? Yeah, Governor Newsom, man. Yeah, well, you know, he's... Uh, <laughs> He's trying his best, but it's, it's the state is full of people who just feel like they're more important than the than everyone. Uh, that's the problem that the world is facing now with the COVID-19 is that if everybody does what they're supposed to, we can end this right away and end it quick. But so many people feel they're above that and it doesn't apply to them. And there are the people at... Uh, that make the whole team run laps. You know, they're they're the people that <laughs> make the whole class stay after and and write an essay. That's that's why we're in trouble now. It's because of people like that. So, uh, Newsom is trying, but what are you going to do when you when the world is full of selfish idiots? In the end, no matter how much government you have, I mean, if people are going to do what they're going to do, there's no real control of that. You know, if they're going to, for for example, if they're going to uh, not wear masks and go to bars and you know parties or whatever. They're, you can't. There's too many people. You can't control that. Same time, if people are going to riot and uh, go looting and stuff, I mean, there's only so much you can do. So, yeah, it's hard. I, I as much as people complain about the leaders right now, um, it's you know, at a certain point, there's only so much they can do, right? Well, the problem. I think the problem right now with regards to the COVID thing is uh, they were talking about it on Friday. The LG was talking about it on Friday. Like it's the, it's that 
uh, testing and tracing thing. If they have the testing and the tracing in place and they can trace people, like one person gets it, they give it to somebody else and then they can get to them, they can test them and they can trace them and they can separate them. It's, it's not as bad, but because we're seeing these gigantic explosions of it, you can't get enough people to test and trace this thing. Oh, right, so after right, a while, right. right after a while you go, fuck it. <laughs> oh, well, because you really can't, you can't trace it because it's already beyond the borders of what you can attack. And that's what's happening at hospitals. That's what's happening everywhere. And then, you know, in the middle of it, you got people, you got people going, go back to school. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody go back to work. Hey, Paul, can you do another show in a crowded room, please? <laughs> Nobody's going to be wearing masks, but it'll be fine. You know, and because of that, it's, it makes it even more difficult. Because there, there's going to be a point, like in Florida, they're saying in Florida, in Cali, where it won't matter. It's just going to get to everybody. And right. then, holy shit, right? What do you do? I think we're so. there already. I mean, I, I can't see this thing being clamped down I, enough to, I don't know. I was always, it was funny because um, I remember when this thing first happened, I was in Las Vegas and um, I'm watching, you know, Joe Rogan or something like that in my hotel room. And the guy that was on was some kind of epidemiologist and he was saying, this is an airborne virus, right? Mm -hmm. So he said, you know, you're not going to be able to really stop it unless you just kind of get away from everybody. Because when, when I was thinking about it, you know, they had those um, cruise ships, right? And everybody was stuck in their room, yet the virus continued to spread throughout the ship. And so at that point, it's like, okay, I think, I think it's, it's in the air, you know? So as long as you're, if you go into an air conditioned building, that thing's blowing around. I, I mean, that's so hard to contain, right? Well, if you have the right kind of filtration system, right, right, right. It can stop that. But on the cruise ships, it's a, uh, the air gets recycled throughout the entire ship. And right. so uh, that's what happens. It gets passed around and that they'll have to retrofit all those uh, ships or buildings if they want things to get back to a, a, a semblance of what it used to be. Yeah. Not to mention all the cruise ship has buffet. <laughs> spread of all you can do, right? You touch in the utensils, you're sneezing in the food, you know, I mean, that's I can't tell you how many times I've seen people, kids go up to the thing, grab food with their hand, lick yeah. it, grab another thing with their, Adults do that too, not just children. It just and that's that's why we can't have uh, <laughs> freedom, everybody. <laughs> so what what was the um, how many cruise ships have you done? Is, is, did you enjoy doing cruise ship stuff, cruise ship work? Well, sure, it's good money. It was it was good money. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, and I don't know. I get to travel, see the world. Uh, I've done ships uh, in. Everywhere I've done, uh, they flew me out to Germany once through ships. Uh, wow. Um, I've gone through the Suez Canal, um, through Egypt, into Jordan. Um, wow. Up, up in Alaska, uh, I did a ship out to Hawaii once where the, the ship's uh, chaplain put the moves on me. And uh, <laughs> Wait, what time up? What? 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 And... <laughs> Oh, See, we can leave this wife. story in, right? We can leave this story in, right? We're not cutting this story out. Wait, 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 wait. Was the chaplain a uh, male or female? Uh, it was a guy. Wow. Uh, here's what happened. I'm checking in in uh, San Diego at the port of uh, in San Diego to get on the ship. And uh, there's a guy at the special check-in area for uh, not uh, 
civilians for entertainers or whoever it is. So I'm checking it. And there's a guy, he says, Oh, what are you here for? I said, Oh, I'm the comedian on, on the ship. And he said, Oh, I'll, maybe I'll come to one of your shows. I said, what are you, what are you doing on the ship? He said, I'm the ship's chaplain this week. And I was like, I'm probably not coming to any of your shows. So, <laughs> uh, so we, we part ways and we, we check in and then I keep running into this guy. Uh, it, yeah. And he says, all right, well, uh, you want to go have a drink? I was like, yeah, let, let's do that. And I'd never been on this ship before. He goes, okay, meet me at the front of the ship on deck, whatever it is, uh, as a, as a spot. I was like, okay, I figure there's a bar. We're going to go uh, hang out. So I get up over there and there's, there's nothing. It's like the open helipad of the front of the ship and there's a bench and he's sitting there with a flask of whiskey or whatever it is. And he's like, Oh, come here, sit down. But then he told me his story. He said, they don't even get paid. The chaplains don't get paid uh, oh. to go on the ship. They don't even get flown out. They have to arrange their own way to the ship. And this guy was from uh, the East Coast, and he found his own way to get to the West Coast, where he got on the ship and for free. He didn't pay him. He was the chaplain for the whole week and led the services for whatever uh, situations they had on the ship. And I felt really bad for him. So finally, uh, on the last night of the cruise, I I messaged the guy. I said, I feel, you know, he's he's doing this all for free. I'm going to take him out to dinner on the ship. Now the buffets are free, but there's fancy <laughs> steakhouses yeah, yeah, that yeah, are not yeah. free. Yeah. So I told the guy, I was like, all right, listen, I want, uh, I'll buy you dinner. We'll go eat some steak at the, at the steakhouse. And we go there. Uh, <laughs> and, um, maybe, you know, maybe I shouldn't have gone on a date with the guy, but he, uh, you let him on. Yeah. Oh, wow. You should have seen what I was wearing. I was asking. <laughs> <laughs> the, the whole and he's, he's telling me, oh, whenever you're out in, in my city, you know, you got a place to stay. You can hang out at my house. Don't worry about it. You don't have to pay for a hotel. Uh, and then it was just getting awkward. And then so finally, when I get nervous, I, I, I crack my knuckles uh, like that. And then, so he's looking at me doing that. And he goes, oh, can you do that everywhere? And I was like, oh, 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 no. oh. <laughs> Jack, please. Yeah, then, uh, I gotta... oh, oh, man. But I guess that was the last night. Like, <laughs> I can't imagine yeah. if it was another week. Of... And this was one of those, it was a West Coast to Hawaii. So it was a whole week out on the ocean. Oh, there's, wow. no, there's no stopping yeah. at a port and I can get away from, yeah. no, just always stuck on this boat with this guy. Oh, man. Now, now, as awkward as that was, Paul, were you not just a little bit flattered? I was like, you know, I still got it. Yeah. You know? Don't you feel like, all right. I mean, you know, at least someone's, someone's looking my way. Right? Well, you had a priest hit on you or something, John? Is this no, something I've never had a, no, heard? but, uh, okay, you know, just checking. there's been right. times that I, I felt, felt a vibe coming from somebody. It's like, all right. Really? Tell us a story, John. Come on. Uh, uh no, no, <laughs> I, I won't. All right, maybe 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 after maybe uh, after the, the Patreon section. Oh, Patreon section. You gotta pay stick for around. the dirt. Stick around. Mark that. We'll ask him on the Patreon section of this podcast. I will. I will you tell a pretty the, good story. The cool yeah. stories oh, for free. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hey, but those cruise right. ships are. So even though you're staying there a week, they're like mini cities, right? I mean, mm -hmm. they are. Some depending on the size of the ship, and there are some uh, enormous ships quite a, a lot of the times uh, in the last few years i've been working on the largest ship 
in the world, the largest ships in the world. Oh. And uh, it, it, yeah, it's it's a city, and then there's it, like any city, there's there's everything. There's uh, um, crime. There's really? police. There's a jail. There's a jail on the no ship. Way. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. Huh. We went on the Disney. There's, there's don't have bars. Jails. And <laughs> it's not like that where you 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 clang the cup on the, the, <laughs> the bars. So well, crazy. I mean, what is it like working on it? Because I. We were on the Disney cruises and you know, we've had, we had comedians come on and I just went down to go check it out. And it was the, it was kind of the weirdest thing to go to. Cause the poor comedians standing up there, people are drinking and walking around. Like nobody's kind of people kind of paying attention, but not really. And you know, you had to, he had to do like three shows, I think that night. And I was like, damn, I don't, I don't know how you do that. Well, I imagine having not ever like a- done a Disney ship. I can't, I can't talk to that, but they do have, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think my act is suited for that, but they do have uh, in, on the ships I work on on Royal Caribbean. There are specific rooms. There's a comedy club, or that you have to go to the theater. So there are you know people come to it knowing that they're going to watch the show, and uh, there's not a lot of people milling around. It's not happening on in the middle of the shopping deck, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey Dev, uh, let's ask yeah. Paul his th- their three album oh. questions. Okay, cool. Um, so we ask each one of our guests who comes on uh, the same question, um, your three favorite albums or your three Desert Island discs. Um, it can, the only thing it cannot be is it cannot be um, a Greatest Hits album. Wow, that's kind of unfair. Because, uh... <laughs> you want to go with all Greatest Hits albums? <laughs> no, the, the greatest selling album of all time is a Greatest Hits album. So that's very, un- mm-hmm. you know, it's an unfair caveat to put on this question <laughs> it just makes it that much more eagles? interesting yeah yeah eagles yeah yeah okay yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay uh well you can even go with eagles live because that's the one that you know kyle goes with so he can get his eagles in there and get all the songs in at once so is that not also cheating because it's also a greatest hits album it's just performed uh, greatest uh, hits performed um, live we, we, we'll give you a little bit of wiggle room on that one in case you want to take mm. it Okay, um, I would say definitely one of them would be uh, Marshall Mathers 2. Uh, let me go check. Wow. I got one of them would be uh, Pure Heart 1. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we didn't tell you. You're not getting paid for doing this one. This is, just, this, is this. So this is why you should never meet your heroes, because you find out they're liars. What? No. <laughs> that was a good album. Even the 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 song that I don't know the name of because it's in Japanese. Uh, <laughs> Tokata. Tokata. Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. It's the instrumental, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I love that song. Thanks. It's a good album. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great <laughs> Christian song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will say that you know when when I. Uh, Heard the music, I was like, "Oh, okay, I get it." But when I saw you, I was like, "That can't be the guy singing." Do you <laughs> I get the way off? Lot, I get. That's the way off. Lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, everybody. Yeah. I remember um, Lucella from the band Ekolu was backstage. We were doing some show, and we're backstage at some theater, and he's like, he's like going like this to me, you know, like like <laughs> like this. And he's like, "How does that come out of this?" You know? <laughs> <laughs> Proper it's so technique. Tiny. It's so tiny. Yeah. Um, yeah one more. Yeah, um, one more. License to ill. Oh, oh nice. Yeah. 
That's a good choice. Oh, a lot yeah. of rap License in there. Yeah, Rick Rubin puts his it puts a magic on stuff that he does, and yeah. like the Cult's first album. I don't know if it was first album, but it was the Electric, the one that Rick Rubin produced. Mm-hmm. That was it's head and shoulders above everything else the Cult has done. So oh, yeah. they're a town, and Beastie Boys, talented group, but License to Ill just uh, some people like Paul's Boutique, but I think License to Ill is so much better. It's uh, so much more accessible than Paul's Boutique. Did you watch that Apple um, documentary on the Beastie Boys? I did. Well, that was a it was a good that watch. Was, that was an amazing documentary. Yeah. Who who do you think had the better better records or record, Rick Rubin or a uh, or a better sound, Rick Rubin or Mutt Lang? Mutt Lang did the ACDC Black and Black, right? Yeah, was and so. Leopard. He did Def Leppard. He did Shania Twain. Yeah. Yeah. But he also Rick did. Rubin. I mean, he did Highway to Hell. He yeah. produced a lot of albums. Yeah. yeah. That's a that's yeah, a good I, that's a tough choice, man. Four and yeah. four. four. Yeah, I, I, I don't know off the top Jermaine, of my head. Jermaine Dupree. Oh, Jermaine Dupree's done a wait. Yeah, no, I'm he's, kidding. I was like, <laughs> Mariah Carey stuff. I know that. Right? Yeah, yeah. Check it in. JD's done. Yeah, it, it's not the, an eclectic ervoir uh, that he has, but he you know he does he's he does okay with what he touches. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's the guy with the with the hair that killed the girl. What was his name? Again? Yeah, Phil Spector. Phil Spector. The Wall of Sound. The That's right. Guy That's right. with the hair that killed the girl. Hey, That's I guarantee, how you remember him? I guarantee you, Google that. That he will, his name will come up if you just put "guy with the hair that killed the girl." <laughs> that killed the girl. Phil Spector was the one that Pink Floyd off the wall, or not off the wall, but Pink Floyd the wall. Oh, I don't know. No. no? Okay. No. John, you'd be good on a $25,000 pyramid or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> There's the guy with the hair that killed the girl. You know, the thing and the, you know. Yeah. All right. Then, then last question for, for this portion of, of the podcast, Paul. Um, so you moved to L.A. in 2006. And I'm just curious as how you handled your career living in Hawaii for, you know, at least you were doing it for at least 10 years flying back and forth, right? Like how was yeah, that? Not so much uh, earlier on, but it, towards the end, I would fly back and forth quite a bit. It was not, I don't make the best decisions in my career in, in comedy, <laughs> but, but I, I somehow make it work. I don't, I'm not, there's certainly people who are wildly more successful, but I, I've somehow uh, gotten by despite my uh, curious choices and decisions like like living in hawaii and commuting to la to do comedy was that was uh, that that was a bad move but i did it mm. how, how many years did you do that uh probably four four or five years wow okay. oh man so that i was uh, flying back and forth but you know i'd done comedy for quite a while before that too were you but, doing the um, the whole comedy store scene and all that kind of stuff, like doing those clubs as a regular? When uh, I lived in Hawaii, the, there were two clubs that were good to me. Uh, one was the Ice House in Pasadena, and the yeah, other yeah, was uh, yeah. the Laugh Factory in Hollywood. Uh, and the Laugh Factory has uh, been historically good to me, and the, uh, the owner, Jamie Masada, is, uh, uh, I, I owe him a, a debt, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody talks about um, the the old days of doing comedy of, uh, and you must have ran smack into that, right? You you walk up and they're like, okay, you get five minutes. Okay, you get three minutes. I mean, is that kind of how it was? Because everybody was trying out their stuff, right? 
I think uh, I got in too late for the the good old days, the golden days, or mm. or, or any of the the storied eras that you might be referring to. But uh, c- certainly, you can't just rock up and say, "Hey, give me time," unless mm. you're you're the Chris Rock, or you're if you're Jerry Seinfeld, or you're Louis C.K. or Bill Burr these days. You could roll up and and do whatever amount of time you really wanted to. But uh, no, it, it would. Back when I started, and still to this day, you, you send your avails in and they schedule you and you, you work it out that way. Who was, the, um, who was the other Asian comics during your time? Was it like Bobby Lee and stuff that you'd be doing gigs Bobby with? Lee, uh, had he was in LA or San Diego. I can't remember where he was when I was flying back and forth. But yeah, he was, he was one of the guys back then. I don't think there were very many Asian American comedians mm. back then. The, Probably the uh, two of you, right? They had that guy from like Tennessee that was Asian, but then he had a Henry Cho. Yeah, Henry, Henry Cho. Cho. Yeah. That's what I remember that guy. Yeah, nice guy, very very funny. Uh, but uh, you know, you, you, I talk about making career choices and following a different path. His path was uh, uh, he ended up going on tour with Amy Grant and opening for her, and oh, wow. and playing to that crowd, the, the clean country crowd. Sure, sure. Not a not a bad choice. He certainly made a fantastic living off of it. Uh, yeah. He, he took a swing at Hollywood, did a couple movies. Mm-hmm. What was your fondest performance that you remember? Mm. Wow. This was, there are many, there are many high points, but one night uh, I got a request to do a show at a house up in uh, uh, some rich part of uh, LA and I, I can't remember. I got to look at a map to tell you where exactly it was. And uh, it was a Christmas party in a living room. Oh, this reeks of death, right? You don't want to go into a, a private party in somebody's living room on, sure. on Christmas when people have other things they would rather be doing. But I go and I do this thing and it worked, it worked out pretty well. I mean, people laughed. They, they gathered everybody around and sat down and no one uh, heckled. It was, a, it was a great show. And after the show, uh, a woman and her two daughters came up to me and said, you know, uh, my, my husband died last week mm. and this is, we really needed this. Oh. Uh, so that is, you know, that's one of the, that's one of the things I always uh, keep in my pocket. And I remember as, as a good thing that came out of comedy. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Sorry. Um, I mean, there's, there's, there's different, I don't think there's one, iconic moment there's just a bunch of, of, of things that i'll always pleasantly remember fondly remember one time in uh, kona i was doing a show in a warehouse uh in a very sketchy area of kona <laughs> called kona a lot of those. <laughs> yeah and, uh, and a woman uh and her uh daughter both flashed me uh, their boobs boom nice yeah. oh no, it's not. Regulation. Uh, oh, oh, no. Yeah. No, because oh. the daughter was 60. And oh. the mother was, yeah. But for oh. some reason, they thought it would be funny. Oh, okay. So, right. yeah. So there, there's peaks and valleys as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, with and that. You both actually with that peaks and valleys. Oh. Yeah. With that, we're going to cut here and uh, continue on with Paul Ogata. And I'll tell my story about some dude hitting on it. So. Thanks, everybody.